0: Welcome to the Volrath Feed. This is the show that's focused on bringing you the commercial side of the food industry. We bring you guests from every area that make up the industry, many of which I'd be willing to bet you don't often think of. So hopefully we bring you new and interesting topics within this big industry we are a part of. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And with me, as always, is our producer, Justin Pearson. Hello, Justin.
1: As always. Hello, Rich.
0: How are things today? Very good. Yeah, couldn't be better. Let's just say, good week so far, and we're looking forward to a great show today. So things are good. Absolutely, good to hear. Yeah, I'm really excited about today's show for a couple of reasons. Um, Today we'll be talking with Scott Uline, who is the Vice President of Product Innovation and Development for Sonic Drive-In Restaurants. He's a good friend of mine. We work together, and um, he's he's the real deal. He is a CIA graduate, former. Executive chef at um, and vice president of food and beverage at the Canyon Ranch Resorts, which if you know anything about Canyon Ranch, they are a ultra high end, very healthy resort complex or company, several different locations, and he was the chef for all of them. As I say, he is the, you know, he's he's the real deal, and he's just a good guy. We've been friends since we worked together in Arizona. Um, several awards and just always just really down to earth James Beard award winner. He actually prepared a meal at the James Beard house. And I don't think that's Mm. offered to everyone. Obviously, I think that's a special invitation. Anyway, Scott, as I said, just a good down to earth guy and he's uh, over at Sonic now. So it'll be interesting to hear from him and how things there compared to previous life and so forth. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun and um, we'll, we'll learn a lot. I'm sure about the chain side of the business.
1: So you guys were both at uh, in Sedona, right?
0: Correct, at Los Abregados Resort. So we'll have a um, hopefully a few stories we'll remember <laughs> yeah. from that time.
1: I, I'm interested in hearing some of the some of the stories there, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot. You know, yeah. we all we, know that craziness
0: can happen uh, on the backside of kitchens. Well, even all over that resort. I'll tell you, our boss. Um, in hindsight, it's like that teacher in high school or college that probably pushed you in a time you're like, "Oh man, what's going on? Why is this person doing this to me? And what a <laughs> jerk or something, right?" But later on you're like, "You know, I learned something in that class and it stuck with me and I appreciate the way that person is." I think that is our boss that we had at the time. He was Mr. Detail. He'd call you out on it every time. I could I could make sure all the dining rooms were just perfect and he'd walk in and sometime between the point of me checking and him walking in a 25 watt light bulb could burn out in one of the Mm -hmm. chandeliers somewhere and he'd walk in and go that light bulb's burned out i'm like dang (laughs) but he he pushed you to have that eye for detail and Mm -hmm. i i would argue that i think it sticks with me i think today i have that that sense of making sure things are right and, and having the eye for detail which you know i'm thankful to him for and i know scott will have probably some memories like that as well but yeah, just it was a good time. It really was. It was one of those learning experiences that you have in your career that you can look back on and and I think it was a good time for me and I, I hope Scott would as well, but I think it was yeah. a good time.
1: Well you have to actively choose to remember the good times so that you can gain and take something away from it and so you're not left with, with the hardships and negativity that was also right. the present.
0: You know, and at that time we were a multi property Company. In other words, we had a resort in Sedona. We had one in Payson, Arizona. We had one in uh, which is just north of Sedona, a little resort. We had um, one in South Bend, Indiana. So there was multiple properties. And Scott, I would argue, would have been the executive chef for all of them. So he was in charge of all of that. But I bet it's very different now in a chain environment like he's in with Sonic. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I do remember the day that I found out he went to Sonic, and I thought, well, that's really different from a guy who's been in a resort and things now to go onto the corporate side in a chain like that, so it'll be interesting. But I, I do know that um, you know we talk about chains, and there's a lot of advantages to being a big organization like that. First of all, your hat is probably very specialized. Right. Whereas right. when you're in a smaller organization, you wear many hats. So that'll be interesting to to hear. And, and one of the things I, I always talk about when I do my trainings is some of our products that we use for chains. Right. There's a lot of the products the Volrath company has that are a result of a chain coming to us and saying, hey, we need this kind of a product. Can you make this? And some we make special products that are proprietary to that particular brand. Mm-hmm. And others we make to this day that are just part of our offering and that brand continues to use. So it's it's an interesting way to, to go about it. And I think like some of our products, such as our Super Pans, for example, our Super Pan 5, By far the best steam table pan in the market, by far. Mm -hmm. And if you're a mom and pop, it's hard to maybe understand that because you don't have a good grasp of how long it lasts. You just buy one. When they wear out, you buy another. Right. But a chain can look at when they purchased it and how long it takes before they have to purchase more. They've got a really good way to look at that kind of stuff. And what does it say to you that you we're the spec in a lot of chains with our pans? So that's... It's kind of the, the other side of the chain. They, they do a really good job of understanding costs and really mm-hmm. dialing in on that stuff. So
1: Yeah, well, the, the spreadsheets and the data that they collect uh, equates to millions of dollars
0: on, on something
1: over time. And it absolutely makes sense to really dive into the deeper side of cost of ownership and get something that will, that will last you and that you're, you're not having to continually spend money on. right. Well, and that's a valuable concept for anybody at any phase, though. You know, your mom and pop place—it's—it's it's a lot more of a burden up front for that for that price, maybe. But then, if you have the foresight to look ahead and say, "Well, I won't ever have to deal with this again," um, or not—not not for another fifty years or so, uh, it—the it, it, math really starts to make
0: sense. Right. You have to be able to look at that total cost of ownership, as you said, and the, the long term cost of the product. So and and again, Sonic is is a is a big brand. They have thirty five hundred stores. Mm-hmm. So they are they're a big company, and they're part of now Inspire Brands, which is um, the Sonic, Buffalo Wild Wings, Arby's, Jimmy John's, and Rusty Taco. So that's part of that restaurant company's brands. So there's a lot of a lot of interaction. I'm sure a lot of sharing of ideas and thoughts and resources. So it'll be interesting to hear if we can hear a little bit of that from him. Mm-hmm. I do know that. Uh, Sonic, you know, one of their big things is their shakes. Right, right. Right? Burgers, of course, and everything else, but it's it's their shakes. And their shakes, they hold to that standard of identity for real ice cream. So real ice cream, I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know that there's a standard of identity for ice cream?
1: I hadn't a couple months ago, but but a- uh, after uh, learning about Culver's and the standards uh, on custard yep. and all that, yeah, I, I, I do know now, but...
0: That, that's right. So Culver's is custard. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I'm not sure, I don't think Sonic is custard, but they are ice cream, mm-hmm. which means over 10% fat, milk fat. And each it also has the amount of air that's whipped into it. So each gallon of product must weigh four and a half pounds. And that's called overrun, correct? Okay, very good. You're, all right. You're good. Right. I'm you're getting I'm it. Getting. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what makes their shakes just so awesome, right? They're so rich. They're not low fat stuff. They are the. the Really, <laughs> that's an ice cream shake. That is really good stuff. If you ever had one, they are really decadent. Yeah, yeah. So good product. So, yeah, and you mentioned a lot of um, products that we have now. Which which ones are are st- as a result of chains? I know our extended length dishers are a result of a chain coming to us with that extra length on the disher so the handle doesn't go down into the pan. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure the spoodle didn't come from a... Uh, a chain or an outside source you know a lot of times people will tell us and that's one of my things i love to do i love to go into restaurants especially the chains because they they have a lot of this stuff and i'll ask do they have a workaround Mm -hmm. do they have something that they do to a standard product to fit their use and those are often the fun things to find out because they they're really creative bunch and Mm -hmm. they've they've done some things and and you we can learn from it we can sometimes we can get a new product idea from it and so that's always a fun thing to look for.
1: Yeah, well, innovation often comes out of necessity in the kitchen. And whether it just be for financial reasons or you just don't have time to replace something. But yeah, you, the creativity really does come out. And if you get a hold of those those little secrets and those little tips and tricks, uh, you can turn them into something that uh, and mass produce something to really make use and utilize that.
0: Right. So we're talking about equipment, but I'm also going to be very interested to talk to Scott about, you know, his creativity and how he's always been interested in healthy eating. And when we think about, again, a a QSR chain, maybe we don't always think about the healthiest food, but yet as Americans, we love that food. And I think everything in moderation is really the key, right? We can eat very healthy and then once in a while we're going to eat what we want to eat. And I think everything's got its place, right? So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to hear from him on how he approaches that. As I said, the Canyon Ranch where he worked Uh, He was telling me some of the things about the menus there and the way that people would come to the resort with their own diets and very, very, I'll say picky about what they wanted or what they were being discerning. Discerning. (laughs) Thank you for that. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to hear how he's working with that. And then that creativity about, you know, he's, he's got a a set kitchen and that kitchen is 3,500 times throughout the United States, or I don't know if that's wherever those brands are, but. 3,500 kitchens, are they all the same? Are they a little different? Do they all have the same ingredients? What if you bring a new ingredient? What does that mean? Mm. You know, what if you want to bring guacamole in, for example? How big of a challenge is that? What do you have to do to bring in one ingredient to change up a menu? You know, yeah, an LTO, t- limited time offer type right. uh, menu item. We know chains love LTOs, so.
1: Oh, and then you, I'm sure you just test it in a couple areas and then, and then scale it up for for everywhere or, or what about regional things do you do you have just regional ingredients and regional menu items
0: right southwest is very different than the midwest or the northeast california mm-hmm. so you've got very different regions but just thinking again about that ingredient no so you've got your line set and you say well we're going to bring in a new item that requires guacamole and shredded lettuce that just isn't like oh okay we'll put that on the line you got to tell them where it goes so each store is the same you got to tell them how much to use you got to think mm-hmm. about portion you got to think about storage where is it going to be working it into the the menu item i mean i'm sure it's a lot more than we ever would thought well i think what scott's going to tell us is it's probably a lot more than we would ever imagine right i know that i am going to have
1: one burning question for scott that i it's just been kind of bugging me for for a while now and that's uh oh well in rapid city south dakota a number of years ago my wife and i Stopped at a Sonic and we got sweet potato tots mm. and they, they were great. We both loved them and we haven't been able to find them since. So I'm like, how and why did this <laughs> get the ax? You know, you, you search their menu online and it's, it's nowhere to be found. I'm like, come on. That was a nope. fantastic menu item and it's gone. So just I, plain or were they chili cheese or anything? They, yeah. It was just plain. They were plain, plain sweet potato tots and they, they were awesome and, so I wonder what the process is when you go when a, a place goes through uh, reevaluating their menu items and maybe checking out how things are performing and if it's worth the cost and um, and then how how do you deal with that uh, the the public backlash you know from people who who loved a certain item
0: and then it's it's no longer there. That's the LTO, right? Yeah, yeah. You bring it back for a short time. Those people that love it, you know, really consume it, and then uh, as maybe. They don't want to do that every day. It kind of goes away. So that's mm. the whole purpose, I'm sure. Yeah. But I know what you mean about some of these LTOs. They are just really good items. And you're like, man, why don't you add that to the menu? Trust me. I'm sure it isn't a decision that they didn't think through.
1: Well, yeah. that's a, In that business, they think through everything and overthink everything because the smallest change can can mean a lot of money on either the plus or negative side of it. That's well, One of my favorite things to get there, though, is just just a corn dog. Yeah. Like, Going and getting a slush and a corn dog, keeping it simple. Corn dog guy, huh? It's classic. It's it's got it hits checks off all those boxes. You know, it's got the crunchy texture and a little bit of sweet in the batter. Mm
0: -hmm. But it's just it's simple and delicious when it's done right. Well, as a lot of food is right, just those simple, not overcomplicating it. Sticking to the basics Mm -hmm. can be so satisfying. It's what we crave. Just a good cheeseburger. Yeah. Right. Just a good cheeseburger simple as that is that sometimes hits the spot as much as anything
1: yeah well and i really appreciate their their model too you know the drive-in style being able to pull up mm-hmm. having a car hop come out and and uh deliver your food it, it makes it simple and convenient and honestly it's a model that's built for covid times Yeah, you know, it's you're able to keep that social dis- distancing while still being able to go out and enjoy a dining experience and
0: right with your family i mean you bring your table and seat to the restaurant you drive up that's mm-hmm. your little space the server comes out takes your order or, or transmits your or serves you your food but it's your little private space that you bring to the restaurant that's kind of cool very different and even the drive-through there a lot of restaurants have have really suffered during this whole covid and there are a few some of the um, qsrs especially that were really able to as you said, they're they're kind of set up ready for this, so they have been able to um, keep people's desire for going out to eat and that that food uh, keep it going for everyone, right? There was an outlet for us. A lot of restaurants had to shut down entirely, but they were able to do keep everything going. Well, Justin, you and I can talk about all these questions we have, but why don't we just bring in our guest today and find out r- what's going on at Sonic Foods? Sonic Absolutely. Drive-In.
1: Let's get it done. There's there's questions that need answering, dang it.
0: <laughs> That's right. So, everyone, once again, uh, I'd like to welcome Scott Uline, who is the Vice President of Product Innovation and Development for Sonic Drive-In Restaurants. Scott, good to see you, and thank you for and, taking time. And
2: you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: No, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Very, very much. It's it's uh, fun to get to see you again. I, I know we chat once in a while when we got some business stuff, but hopefully today we'll have a little chance to reminisce maybe even about some of the good old days. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. we got a bit of history. I mean, usually we see each other in person at the restaurant show. I yes. mean, that's always an annual thing. And then if, I, if my travels take me up to your neck of the woods in the Sheboygan area, which oddly they have, right, Rich, in the last yes, few they years. They, kind have. Funny. they have,
0: surprisingly enough. It's,
2: it's no, always going to always see find you, a
0: reason to come to Sheboygan. And hey, let, let me tell you something.
2: Rich took me out to the lake there in that neck of the woods. I mean, and the weather wasn't even that great yet, and it was still a beautiful spot. So I, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with that area.
0: Yeah, shh. we like to kind of keep it on the down low a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, you don't know? tell anybody. No, you That's don't want right.
2: people moving up there. Exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, um, when we bring chefs on the show, it's always interesting to hear kind of that moment where people decided to be a chef. Like in in a lot of cases, I think it comes out of necessity. People are working in the restaurant and – the cook, uh, chef will say, hey, we need somebody to set fries tonight or something. Come on in. And that's kind of the start for some. But I know with you, you you wanted to be a chef, right? You went to the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, and really wanted to be a chef growing up. Isn't that right? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm a CIA guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I as a kid, I loved to cook with my mom. My aunt was a great cook. And my mom, you know, was a great cook for a long time and is, is a great cook. So uh, I I guess I was it's what I fell in love with at a pretty early age. And actually, it it must have been a foregone conclusion because I own to this day a Polaroid of me when I was, I don't know, about two and a half or three years old. My mom had dressed me up as a chef for (laughs) Halloween. So, I mean, somehow she knew before I knew. And, you know, I mean, growing up, I loved to cook and I, I didn't want to do anything else i didn't know how to do anything else so yeah I, I knew at a pretty young age what i wanted to do and i've been pretty fortunate in my life and my career to be able to, to continue, continue to do that yeah do we need been... to
1: explain what a polaroid is to our younger listeners yeah
2: you probably <laughs> do <laughs>
0: if you know what that is you are over uh 45 or whatever it is right
2: hey stop right there rich <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I, I uh, talking about your past history. I know when I arrived at Los Abrigados, um, you were you were a big deal. You were uh, one of the, I, was at, I remember there was a, a picture hanging in the executive offices about uh, one of the top young chefs or something like that. You had that recognition. You were James Beard. You went and prepared a meal there. Um, you really were, were doing quite well at a very pretty young age. I would say. What experience was Los Abrigados for you? Was that like your first big executive chef job or
2: so I'm, I'm guessing, yes, it was my first big, I'm guessing everybody on your, that listens knows what Los Abregados is, but I mean, it's a resort in Northern Arizona that Rich and I had the pleasure of working together in, in the early nineties, right? I mean, the early, and yes. mid, really, I guess it was the mid nineties really, yes. but, um, yeah, it, it was my first big executive chef's job. And, um, uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't a big, I was a big deal maybe in my own mind, you know, I no, mean, I'm, no. a, I'm not exactly <laughs> a tall guy, but you know, I have one of those complexes, right? So, um, it, big in my own mind and <laughs> I, it it was uh, it was certainly eye-opening to to sort of drop into uh, a, a good-sized resort, having done a lot of time in smaller restaurants and smaller you know bed and breakfast and places like that, and then take on take on something that was um, banquets and catering and and a couple of restaurants. And Rich, you were there, and we we did a bunch of renovations to the to the one restaurant, and it ended up being three restaurants, four four restaurants, I guess it was at one point. So yeah, I mean it was a big it was a big um, it was a big step in my career and, and, you know, I was grateful to do it, but yeah, I mean, those were some crazy days for sure. I mean, you know, right. and, and I certainly didn't, certainly didn't get everything right, you know, all the time.
0: Well, I know you're always a creative guy. You're always doing something new. It was, it was fun to be a part of that. And I, I, I told this story earlier. I remember a couple of times I turned the corner of the kitchen, there you'd be, and I'd say, Hey Scott, what's going on? And you're like, well, I'm just, one day it was eh, I'm cooking some um, I'm poaching some calves brains and I'd say what <laughs> and he'd say yeah I just got bored <laughs> so well, here I got some calves brains I'm, oh okay well you know well.
2: Rich I can tell you this that is the last time that I actually poached calves brains was <laughs> is that right? I have not cooked them since no. I, I mean I, I you love them but they're you know they're a little hard to find right now you know you can't <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but that is that is uh, quite literally the last time I, I cooked those. Oh, I mean, okay. I think it was then and school were the only two times in my uh, in, well, in recent memory. I'll tell you this much. It's the last time I ate them. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you and a lot of other people, pal. Yeah, right. The, the mid-90s is the last time. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, the next
0: time I turned the corner, I'd say, Scott, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I got chocolate souffle. So you, you always were doing something kind of fun and unusual, and we always re- – you know, look forward to that we had a celebrity menu which was a special menu that came out it was it was just one weekend long and it, there was always some really creative stuff on there so uh, you know when you left los abrigados you went to canyon ranch which was this ultra high-end uh, very healthy resort that um, you were in charge of the menu there and i remember you telling me a lot of the things about the specifications of the food and sourcing the food and organic and all that and that that was really a different experience for you as well
2: yeah, it was a different experience, and you know, even back in the Los Abregados days when we did the celebrity menu, we did a lot of, we were able to buy a lot of stuff in Northern Arizona locally. You know, I mean, a lot of produce, and we we definitely built the menu around things like that, and that was probably amped up even more at Canyon Ranch, where there was um, a, a clear guidelines on you know, supply chain guidelines, buying clean and healthy. No additional, you know, no preservatives, no chemicals, nothing. You know, really cooking everything from scratch, and so uh, it 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 definitely took what I kind of cut my teeth on there at Los Albergados and the experimentation to a whole new level, you know. And it put it that type of experience when you're taking fat and you're taking calories and things out of food. Uh, you know, you do build layers of flavors, you know, you build the sweet, sour, bitter, salty, you build the textures, and, you know, it has to be, the, it's the visual, it's the flavor, it has to be the, the, the dishes, the whole package, and to your point, people are paying a lot of money to be there, and they expected the food to be great, so uh, it was a lot of fun to do that, it was ch- always challenging, and, you know, I mean, all of those things that w- that I learned, and that, w- that you learn from, Developing that type of food, you, you you carry it through your whole career, and I mean it started in Los Cabos, and um, you know has has sort of been through uh, every every stop of the journey, and and it's really about flavors, it's about visuals, it's about textures, uh you know it's the whole sensory experience, and and I think that's what makes food so much fun is that there's so many things you can do, there's so many different ways to go, and it's up to your own interpretation and what you like and ultimately what the people that you're serving, the guests you're serving like.
0: Right. So everything you just kind of talked about there, that your experience at Los Supergados, and then you moved on to Canyon Ranch, and they're talking about that experience with all this food. And that brings you then to your next experience is Sonic, right? So you went from these two other executive chef roles to now the executive chef, uh, vice president of product development with a Sonic brand. How has that changed? I mean, that obviously doesn't take, you know, too hard to look into to see the, the food type has changed, but how does it affect you as far as your creativity? Is that, does, how does that work into what you're doing now?
2: I think everything. There's creativity everywhere at every at every turn. You know, I mean, it's just sort of how you define creativity. I mean, I would say that I learn every skill. I, I use every skill that I've learned over the years every day here, and it really comes down to everything we just talked about. It comes down to the flavors. Comes down to the textures. The layering of the flavors. So, I mean, in I guess in many ways, it's it's um, not significantly different. On the development side, what's significantly different is the you know the fact that you don't really have as you don't have as many guidelines nutritionally, right? You know, what I mean, <laughs> we had a lot of nutritional guidelines at Canyon Ranch. I, I you know I don't have quite as many here here at Sonic. And and you know I guess I would say too that it doesn't really that doesn't matter either way. You know, I mean you 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 you're building flavors in the same way. Um, the thing that's I think a lot of fun here, more than anything else, is you're building for such scale. You know, so you're you're coming through and you're developing something. What you what you're working on in the R&D kitchen ultimately has to be scaled up to 3,600 restaurants at Canyon Ranch. You, you, I could develop something that morning and have it on the menu that afternoon because you have a finite number of properties. Um, you, you know, but I suppose in many ways the you know the technical skills are. Yeah, you know, maybe even more challenging here because, you know, sort of what you're up against to commercialize something um, and to capture the essence of what you developed in a, uh, you know, for a system of 3,600 restaurants. So it, to me, that's actually what's the most fun, one of the most fun things. Okay. So when you talk
0: about uh, the LTOs, is that really the lifeblood? I mean, do you, does, does, is there always an
2: LTO that's active in is, is Yeah. There- Usually, yeah, usually. I mean, we, we know we can do 20 plus a year on the calendar. Uh, the team, the team and I can be juggling 40 projects at any given time at various phases of wherever it is, whether it's sort of in the inception and launch phase, you know, we, we, we sort of bring the idea that's been vetted with consumers to life. Uh, and, and as you walk through, there's different stage gates that you hit, you know, I mean, so it could be in some form of consumer validation, it could be in commercialization, or it could be coming out of validation and, and ready sort of to go into the pantry. So um, all these projects are at different stages, but we could be managing 40. But you're right. I mean, we, we are known for LTOs. We do quite a few of them. Uh, our guests... Uh, expect them and like them. And, and I would say that's a, a huge, as a creative person, that's a huge thing too, because we, we have, we have runway, we've got a, we've got an adventurous consumer an adventurous guest. And to me, um, that makes it a lot of fun as well. You can push the boundaries a little bit more than maybe we could in other brands. So
0: on that note, how far off the main drag are you allowed to kind of go? I mean, have do you test some stuff that's kind of way out there and you get feedback? Like that's really not what we look at your brand for
2: um, does that ever happen well you know i mean we've been in the market with things like pickles pickle juice slush right you know so we, we're known for slushes which are just for you know frozen icy drinks mm-hmm. uh and um generally you see fruity flavors and things that are a closer in well uh, two summers ago we we launched uh, you know we launched a line a, a, um, a snow cone slush line and one of the flavors was pickle juice so you know the team the team and I we were we were down in Texas and uh, in Austin you know where where'd the idea come from we, we, we were eating in snow cone joints down in uh, down in Austin and you know you see a lot of this a lot of those fun flavors Tigers blood and you know Bahama Mama and all these other sort of traditional flavors and every snow cone Food truck or kiosk that we went to had a pickle juice of some sort, and most of the time it was just shaved ice with pickle juice on it. So, you know, we came back and we sort of adapted it for what our slush base is. And uh, I, I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> almost a billion impressions later, you know, I mean, you, you, we got a lot, we got a lot of run, mm-hmm. we got a lot of run on that one. And and the funny thing was was that it wasn't one of those limited time offers that just sort of came out of the gate and everybody tried it and it fell off the face of the earth which can happen uh, in this case it came out strong and it sold for the whole window which was just you know a little bit mind-boggling so people actually really liked it so the answer is it depends but the example is yeah we can get away with some things that maybe others can and there's a good example
1: is, is there something that you guys worked on just for fun knowing full well that it really didn't have a future uh, on the menu or anything have, have you experimented with anything that
2: you mean that actually launched no so, that,
1: that, that maybe never that never saw the light of day
2: oh yeah Some... yes I mean those, those things happen all the time right you know I mean things that uh, I mean I, I guess I, I might be hard-pressed to exactly you know to pull one out of my hat right now but I mean the, the type of experimentation that we do and, and I mean experimentation is not just in food items it's also things so I tend to be a lightning rod for stuff, right? You know I mean, people just sort of send you things or they contact you. And every night I mean, I can think of a couple things. I would never want to divulge the company, but I can think of a couple things that I've brought in from vendors. you know we get get the NDA and they come in and they do their they do their dog and pony show. And my team just looks at me and goes, you have lost your cotton-picking mind, you know I mean? But <laughs> I'll, vet, I'll vet just about anything, only because you know you, you never know what gems you find. I mean, a good example, uh, around the same time, actually just before the Pickle Juice Slush launched, you, you know, I mean, we, uh, we were the first uh, HQSR, hamburger, hamburger QSR, uh, to launch the blended burger. So it had 25% mushrooms blended in with beef, you know? And I remember that vividly because the first meeting we had with the Mushroom Council, um, which was.
1: Wait, there's a Mushroom Council? Which is a thing. Yeah, there's a Mushroom <laughs> Council.
2: And, um, and the Mushroom Council is obviously a, a, a co op of mushroom growers that have this, um, this, this marketing arm that tries to sell more mushrooms. And so uh, the blended burger with 25% mushrooms and 75% beef has been a thing for a while. And so when I brought the team, my team, and we met with the mushroom council. We actually met with them at the fancy food show, and I, soon after I started, so in like two, at Sonic, so like 2016, we came out of that meeting and, and talked about blended burgers and all. On the team just looked at me. They're like, "What is wrong with you?" You know, <laughs> so. But oddly, you know, it's a great tasting burger, and it ended up coming out as a, as an LTO in 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 2018 three times, which is un- sort of unprecedented. We don't usually go back to the well for LTOs, so uh, it came out three times as an LTO and and did very well, and and that was another, uh, big, you know, a lot of public relations around that, a lot of excitement around that, and so you know, every now and then you have these gems. Justin, to your to your to answer your question, you have these gems that you try. I mean, in addition to to, to for all the dogs that you see you know that the 10 dogs you do have this one gem that that rises up and, and it's not always food it could be technology or it could be you know it could be something else something that extends shelf life i mean we're, we we have we have experiments science experiments sitting in the culinary <laughs> innovation center right now that you'd walk in you go hey is everything okay with that because i think something's i think something's gone bad there and and you're you know you're you're vetting out these ideas this technology because Uh, It's the the food world is just evolving at, Mm -hmm. at light speed, especially now.
1: Yeah. So do you find yourself using the same kind of box of ingredients or is everything on the table and everything an option?
2: Well, that's a great question. So you use as many of the existing items that are in the restaurant as possible, right? I mean, this is sort of ops, you know, while we are not the operations team, you know, we we, we in innovation are highly respectful of our partners in operations and knowing that uh, we're already a fairly complex, you know, we're a fairly complex operation, you know, mm-hmm. because we're actually cooking products in the back of the house. And, you know, there's a lot of steps to build a burger and things like that. So. The answer is we use as many things as we can that are that are in-house before we would go outside and bring in a new SKU. Does that mean we don't bring in new SKUs? No, it doesn't. We, we do bring in new SKUs. But, you know, there's there's easy SKUs to bring in. There's more difficult SKUs. An easy SKU is a sauce. Right. You know, so you change your transform, something that's a sandwich that's already there through a sauce. Um, and you can do a lot of transformation with things like that. Or in ice cream, you know, you have an inclusion. Um, and on a case-by-case basis, you might bring in more than one SKU because it really, it really brings the product to life. So it really is a, a case-by-case basis. But we're incredibly mindful of the operations, the operators and operations. Mm-hmm. But, but that doesn't necessarily stop us from bringing in things to develop with. Because you know you have to. If, if you're just limited to that particular toolbox, it would be, it would be quite. You really would be quite limited. And, and again, every now and then you find a a gem. We're in the market right now with a trick or treat blast. Well, that's um, Snickers, M and M's, and Oreos spindled into our real vanilla ice cream with chocolate or just vanilla, right? You know, I mean, so, but th- those are all existing skews, but we've never put them all together in one in one item before. Now the garlic butter burger that we're in market with now, the new skew there is garlic butter, and it's real garlic butter, super garlic, has a great flavor. I couldn't recreate that without bringing in that skew, you know, so mm-hmm. it really is a case by case basis.
0: So when we talk about some of these other ingredients, do you ever, I mean, Sonic is part of Inspire, which is, Buffalo Wild Wings, Arby's, Jimmy John's, Rusty Taco. Do you ever work with your counterparts in those environments and kind of bounce ideas? Do you guys have focus? Do you ever share ingredients or anything like that amongst the, the different brands?
2: Yep. Um, I, I know my counterparts very well. Neville, Neville Craw from uh, Arby's and Jamie Carowan from Buffalo Wild Wings and now Tyler Riddle from Jimmy John's. Um, Yes, I mean we know each other so we you know we text, we talk, we chat we you know we see each other when we can see each other in person um, you know we don't we don't necessarily innovate together because each of the brands have their own identity. Uh, Do we cross utilize? Yes. Uh, You know, in other words, if there's a vendor that we all use and then we can, there's synergies there. Yep. We'll use them. If there's a product that we like that another brand uses. Yep. I'll always look at that. So yeah, the answer is, and there's more and more of that now, you know, I mean, so
0: yes, we do. In the kitchen, um, where does your kind of bounds go? Are are you in charge of, like looking at the line in the in the stores and and improving efficiencies and things like that at the store level, or are you just simply bringing the new products into the store?
2: No, I, I'm primarily culinary. Um, you know, with that said, when we have an opportunity to streamline. Where if we unearth something that would potentially be um, uh, something good for operations, obviously we we would bring that to the attention of the broader team. And no, um, not a lot of equipment. I mean, there's a team of people that do our equipment. So, you know, it's although. Rich, as you know, I mean, you and I do talk back and forth every now and then. It's like, hey, listen, do you have something that would fill the bill here? So, if it's a smallware, you know, or even if it's a piece of equipment that involves a product that I'm developing, then yes. But I wouldn't do that in a vacuum. I mean, there'd be other people that would be involved. However, as you know, I mean, I reached out to you because I've known you for a long time. So, you know, we have a conversation. You say, yeah, this might work you know then we take a look at it and if mm-hmm. if it does work then we bring the right people in but um you know we we would be very involved in um, when we're developing an LTO or or, or whatever else we're developing, a quality improvement project to the core menu, we'd be very involved with helping to make the product be built more efficiently. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be a direct, you know, I no, I don't directly oversee operations or equipment or anything like that. But obviously we work with a lot of people, quality assurance and supply chain and, you know, because we don't work in a vacuum. In fact, we, we touch a lot of different departments. Okay.
0: Justin, did you have something?
2: Yeah,
1: I do have something. Uh, And this is a bone I have to pick with Sonic. Uh Uh-oh. Bring it on, baby. All right, all right. Back when I used to live out west a number of years ago, my wife and I, we stopped at a Sonic in Rapid City, and they had sweet potato uh, tater tots. tots. Yep, sweet potato tots. And I freaking loved those things. Then one day they're just gone were those a limited time LTO. thing or was that an was that an end of life for that product
2: we put the limited in limited time offer baby <laughs>
1: man that was that was really sad
0: to see it go and, and now there's what, that anticipation of it again someday. i've never
2: seen it since though no, i don't I know i haven't seen it since then um it, yeah i don't know you're not going to see them in my in my reign but okay uh, it's duly it's duly noted. <laughs> duly noted. It's, duly... It's duly noted. However, I am taught. I am testing an alternate tot right now. I will. Oh. I will tell you that.
1: All right. We uh, probably can't divulge what that looks like just yet.
2: No, that's out in the market. It's out. It's out oh. in a small. It's at a small market test right now. It's a broccoli cheddar tot, which ah, is which is an, right. which is definitely a new one for us. It's actually it's like broccoli cheddar casserole in a tot form. It is absolutely delicious. <laughs> I'm um, on board. It's it's actually, it's pretty cool, and, and what I like about it is when you bite into that, it's kind of creamy inside. What, mm. I, what I didn't love about the sweet potato, I mean, the sweet potato top was good, you know, and, and of course, we've looked at that again and again over the years. Um, sweet potatoes have a high sugar content, so they tend to sort of get dark and, and they can mm-hmm. almost be burnt. Um, they're, they're not exactly, they're not as operationally friendly as you would think. Mm. Um, and, and while, when they're good, they're good. They're just a little hard to deal with. And I don't know, hasn't sweet potato seen its day? I mean, if the sweet potato council feather. is listening, I apologize. But how, 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 <laughs> was council. Yeah, sweet I guess potato. they kind of ran
1: their course, but I liked them because they seem to get a little bit more texture and, and they, I don't know, maybe it was just how that restaurant cooked them or maybe... Um, they sent them in a little bit longer, but they were had a little bit more crunch to them than than the standard tater tot,
0: and it was it was just a pleasant experience. Good,
2: I'm glad you liked it, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but not coming back. All right, fair enough.
0: So, getting back on some of the equipment, uh, what I heard I think earlier is that. Um, if you if you have a new item that needs something new that's smaller or whatever you'll you'll look at that but what about the main line Are all the stores the same is every piece of equipment in every store or do you have stores that have other pieces and and how much of a challenge is it to make sure that everything always works at the store level, each and every store, yeah, 3600 you know, stores. I mean, they're there.
2: Are, yeah, there are different pieces of equipment. And so you know, like, for example, on a grill, some have some restaurants have a clamshell, some have a open top grill. And um, so yeah, you, you end up doing some development for each of the different pieces of equipment that are out there. Um, and then various, you know, there's various pieces of equipment, there are different stages of life. So you you know, you, you might have a toaster that's you, an, an older model that's transitioning out, but You know, I mean, there's still five years left of life on that. So you have one operator that's using that and another one that's using something that's a newer model. So, yeah, there's a little bit. There's a little bit of that. I mean, we're a 65 plus year old brand. And, and, you know, so you do have you have different layouts. um, and, And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, there are complexities around that. Um, Although you do, most of the R&D you do, you do around what the vast majority of the system has. So when I walked you guys virtually through the Culinary Innovation Center earlier, a lot of that equipment that you see back there is what most of the system would have. It's not necessarily what all of the system has. And it would be um, average volume restaurants because higher volume restaurants may have different equipment or multiples and then versus lower. And So, uh, yeah, we try to do our development around equipment that most restaurants have, although there are often operational procedures that are different. Because there are, you know, there are restaurants that have the clamshell, especially high volume restaurants that have the clamshell and product cooks differently. You know, when you're when you got top and bottom heat than it does when you have just one sided heat.
1: Do you keep any older equipment around that might still be out there in a lot yeah, of locations? Oh
2: yeah, I do have some of it around. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, and I've got both grills in the Innovation Center and I've got a couple different types of toasters and, you know, so. Yes, you, you do. You do keep some of that stuff around for sure. I and mean, you guys must live
0: and watch that time of order. In other words, when the guests place their order to the time it gets to their plate or to, gets to the in front of them that time. So when you're developing these menu items, when you look for efficiency, are you looking at you know everything in the build of the, of the sandwich, for example? Do you look at and those are ways that people can be more effective by the way they, they position items or how, how into detail does that get? Cause I, I know it's all about speed, right? Yeah, Everything is. is about good ser- service
2: there. at the speed of sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's always efficiencies about, it. we have hard stop cook times. We have, um, uh, we, we, we do look at build order. We look at um, standardization of builds and, you know, it's actually a lot, there's a lot of work. Uh, and I'm sure everybody in, in the restaurant industry is looking, especially in QSR right now, are, are looking at that. You know, you're you're looking at how, how long does it take you to build a sandwich? What can you do? What are efficiencies? Where's the muscle memory? So what can, you know, what are you doing differently now between two bills that you can standardize? And and so definitely, a hundred percent. That's big.
0: Right. So any advice to, to people in, in their restaurants that may be listening, it's like any advice on how to help increase some of that, that time, that throughput or anything at all you can think of. I know yeah, that's kind I mean, of a,
2: even, even hearkening back to my Canyon Ranch days, you know, the, the question is, do you have SKUs that are similar? That can be, you can get two for one, right? So you sort of have this purchasing and procurement side. What can you do to consolidate SKUs, And then what can you do to consolidate steps? So, I mean, is there one, and we have this, you know, or we had this, there's, there's one little thing that might be different. One sandwich may have pickles, the other sandwich doesn't. Well, I mean, in some cases, you might say, "Well, pickles just don't go on that, so you can't put that." But if there's if there's any if there's any way at all, you can standardize that. You've just say you've just improved your likelihood of execution because the muscle memory. Because if if ninety percent if of the sandwiches are being done this way and ten percent are being done this way, can you can you bring how closely can you bring them together? And 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 for us, things like um, standardizing um, on the on the frozen station, you're standardizing. The, the amount of pumps that go into, of a flavor that go into a shake or into an ice cream preparation or into a slush. So, yeah, I mean, you know, because you certainly don't want to go out there with this one gets two pumps for a medium and this one gets three pumps because, you know, that's, that's really, really hard on an operation I and mean, you, you, know, you, you have to work. So do your development, do your homework up front to make sure that it works, you know, for, for mm-hmm. the vast majority of what you're doing.
0: Keep it simple so your operators turn out consistent product each time. That's You're, right. Yep. So are you speaking of this stuff from your uh, VP role, or do you actually get your hands dirty and, and get in there in the kitchen <laughs> yet? Are you, are you in the kitchens ever?
2: I'm a hands-on guy. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No, in the store be, level? Not you your
0: kitchen. Not the one you showed us here, you know, your nice uh test kitchen that you have but i mean do you go
2: out to the store level and work in the stores yeah i mean you go out and do field visits on lto's that are out there or you know something especially something you're testing i mean look you don't want scott on the fryer or on the grill during the peak of service, (laughs) because it's happened. And I think the poor manager had to finally just say, Listen, man, you know, get, get off the line, pal. Um, No, but you're at least at the very least, you're out there, you're observing, you're talking to people that are on the front lines, you're saying, Hey, listen, you know, how do you feel about this? Is it working? Is it not working? What works? What doesn't work? So yeah, I mean, if you don't have that feedback, and look, I have many many people out in the field have my cell phone number, including you know my franchise owners and others. and And I, I tell people out there, look, don't hesitate. you know just because it's COVID now, and I you know we don't really get out there as much as we did, please call. and i'm I'm happy to say that people do call because, you know, I, I don't have all the answers, but the people that are out there that are executing do have all the answers, and and we 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 can certainly do um, make changes uh, to whether it's an LTO or you know whatever we need to do to make it more efficient for everybody. But the answer is yes. Got to get out there. You have to. Agreed. Speaking uh,
1: speaking of boots on the ground and out in the field, do you guys encourage innovation and suggestions at the store and employee level?
2: Sure. Yeah, we, we we get we get convers we uh, we have ideas all the time. Ideas come from everywhere. Our process is a little bit different though. So I mean, we actually I'm a clearinghouse. We're a clearinghouse. Us, m- myself, and the new sort of the new product marketing people work side by side. So we're a clearinghouse for inform- for uh, ideas, and they come from everywhere. They come from you guys. They you know they come from. Um, franchisees, they come from operators, they come from frontline people, they come from me, they come from everywhere, uh, and we sort of keep track of all these ideas, and we screen them. We actually, when we get enough ideas, or when we need when we need to go out and launch some new projects, we screen a bunch of ideas categorically. So we screen them, you know, by entree, or by fountain, or frozen, or whatever it might be. And the, the biggest and best ideas, regardless as to where the idea came from, they see the light of day, at least for R&D, and you know, after, After it's been initially vetted with consumers, customers, guests, then then we would begin an innovation to activate on that and to actually develop it. So the answer is yes. Ideas come from Mm. all over and they all generally see the light of day.
1: I remember when I worked in fast food back in high school and we would try to make anything and everything we could out of the given ingredients that we had. We would do a lot of experimentation there and came up with some fun things. Have you heard of any interesting off menu items that stores have came up with. Oh that... sure.
2: There's a whole secret menu. Yeah, yeah. Especially in <laughs> beverage world. You don't get to one point three million different combinations of beverages <laughs> yeah. without there being some something that's off
0: menu. Do you see a lot of that in the in the uh the blasts, the, the shakes and things that you have that you people that add their own things in make their own flavors up Do those ever come back to you and say, Scott, you should try these.
2: Oh yeah. The most creative ideas come from, you know, come from people that are out there just playing. So w- we do see that. We see it more than anything else in beverage probably, but yeah, you see it in ice cream. You see it in entree, you see it across the board. There's a lot of creative people out there for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So Sonic, uh, you were, you set up one of the restaurants we talked earlier in the show about uh, during this time, uh, certain restaurants just shut down entirely, but others, such as as sonic you guys really were ready to go this was kind of uh people bring their own table so to speak when they'd come to your drive-ins you've got uh, your drive-through windows very little in-store seating you know you guys were set up this was this was uh you're ready to go for this what we're in now for this COVID environment very much
2: yeah it, it was interesting for sure right you know i mean and um, and certainly the dynamic nature of our app which is a huge you know huge thing a huge win for us you know the fact that you can uh, download the app. You can order on your phone, drive up, pick up your, you know, pick up your meal and go. I mean, you talk about service and service at the speed of sound. It's, it's fast, it's efficient. It, it is limited contact and it's almost no contact. I mean, if you want it to be, it's sort of up to you, but um, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been, um, it's been helpful during this time for sure. Do you partner with any third party delivery? Uh, yeah, the system has delivery. Um, you know, I, I don't know who. I, 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 that's not my area, but you, you know, certainly um, because we think about developing food that travels simply because most people pick up their food and travel, whether you're Mm -hmm. driving up to a stall or you're driving through. So most of what's consumed isn't even, it's not consumed there, even though you could sit, you know, you certainly can sit in the stall and you can and eat, right? You know, but um, much of it doesn't. So, you know, we do think about how well things travel. Yes. So we do have partnerships um, with third party delivery, uh, but all of our food really has to be somewhat able to travel just because of how our guests use us Mm
0: -hmm. i know we talked a little bit about the blasts as well and i I know uh our our brand our stolting brand is one of the machines that um are also approved in yours and you you are a true ice cream to the standard on your blasts and i think a lot of other Uh, QSRs don't go quite to that level. That's got a a definite advantage your flavor profile that that shake is just so decadent.
2: It's yeah, I mean, look, we meet the standard of identity for real ice cream, You Mm -hmm. know, so we're over 10% uh, butterfat, which is what the standard would require. It is a great base to draw from. I mean, when we talk about the layers of flavor, and you talk about sort of the mouthfeel. And Mm -hmm. if you're starting with that deep, rich flavor, uh yeah you're starting from a great spot in fact you, you'd be surprised at when when we do a syrup like for example our chocolate syrup or our caramel you know when we work on those things they're surprisingly savory you know which it's, it's like an all grown-up chocolate flavor because you know you're putting it into a rich delicious base and in order to cut through that base you can't you don't put a lot of sugar into your into your syrups right you know so uh, from an R&D standpoint, you're you're doing you're doing the work um, to uh, to cut through that rich real ice cream, and it just delivers an amazing, amazingly delicious experience
0: no they're they're delicious very very and you know uh, what
2: it brings complexity you know this i mean in the equipment world it brings complexity to the equipment as well right you know i mean because you have to have the right equipment it has to be set the right way it has to be it has to be easy to clean and do and mm-hmm. and just because um you know if you're churning it all the time and the equipment's not set right you're making butter because right. you got a high level, you know, you got a high level butterfat in there, right? So it's, it, it is, um, it is more complicated on the equipment side. So,
0: but it's worth it. There's no comparison oh, in the see. taste between yeah. a ten percent and a two percent. Yeah, no, no, Just no,
2: that's No
1: right. comparison. None. That brings up an interesting flavor. What about butter? Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> butter. Slush. I will tell you, we've no. we've looked at we've looked at brown butter in the past. It is delicious. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I can see mm. that.
2: Oh yeah. So do we have? Do you
0: have in your in your menus, your LTOs, regional type flavors. Because I'm going to tell you, if you do a butter in Wisconsin, it's got a it's got a good solid chance. But in other parts of the country, I'm maybe not sure. But do you have things like that where they're well? We
2: don't we don't do regional LTOs. You know, okay. there are regional options on menus. Um, you know, green chilies in the Southwest. Are, you know, and they would be available. To they'd be available for um, an operator to choose to to participate in. Each you know, there's one. Bo- there's a box on the menu that would allow mm. you to choose a regional item and and put it in there. You, you know, I will tell you, Rich, we have had, we're in the market with garlic butter right now. And I will tell you, we we are testing other butters, right? You know, I mean, butter is big and butter is flavor. And, you know, you talk about layers of flavor and yes, we, we you know, we, we are working, we are working with butter, butter's big right now, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and, um, I think you will see other butter preparations in our world. Now I I don't know. and so I don't know that I would do actually do a brown butter shake, right? You know, or would I call it, you know and it would really become down to wordsmithing because I could certainly I could certainly put all the flavors that I want of a brown butter shake in a shake. But you know, maybe you call it caramelized brown sugar. you, you know you, you know there'd be some okay. other way in to do it, even and although you know, to answer your question, even if it would sell regionally as a brown butter shake and wouldn't sell nationally, I, I could, I would argue that I could still capture all the flavor of that brown butter shake. And then, you know, the marketing team who are brilliant people would figure out a way to, to sell it that, that it would sell across the country. So, I mean, it's my job to make sure that I capture all those great brown butter flavors in there. And then, you know, the rest of the marketing team can figure out how to sell it. Mm -hmm.
1: Have you guys ever thought about, I know some other quick service restaurants have taken elements of their brand and then incorporated onto a Grocery production level has that ever crossed your guys' minds?
2: Yeah, so we're we're in the market with a couple of things You know, so we're in the market with slushed pops both cherry limeade um, mm. And ocean water, you know, so they're you know, they're frozen pops huh. and, uh, and you know did and, and single-serve we're, we're in um, with um, Gelled desserts with with puddings. We're in the market um, we're actually uh, there's a, a product, an energy, an energy type product, a post, pre and post workout product called Ghost, uh, available in GNC. So we've got um, ocean water and uh, and cherry limeade there. So yes, we've we've huh. we've sort of branched out to beyond just we are in retail, but in in a much more limited fashion, and certainly nothing that would really ever intersect with what we actually do on our menu. You know?
1: Right, right. It's just it's so interesting to me to see this level of operation and the amount of work that's come before you and and, in data and analytics um, as to get where you are and to know the numbers that you do so that you know what you have to do to incorporate even one ingredient is just it's so mind-boggling to me the amount of effort it it takes
2: so i mean we we can do 50 100 versions i mean it's very challenging to be a uh, to be a vendor for us too you know i'm sure you know there are a lot we uh, we test a lot of things internally, a lot of flavors before we land on something that we would show to a, ever show to a, even internally, let alone an actual guest or consumer, right? So, you know, this it it's it's work. You know, we're chefs, we're a team of chefs that are putting together food. We just happen to be putting it together at scale. But as I say, I mean, I apply my classic training every single day, right? Because if you don't. If you don't know how the ingredients work, or you don't know how what goes together, or you don't know how to build up, there's this, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, when we're developing something, there's sort of the beginning flavor, the middle flavor, and the end flavor. And if you don't have the beginning, middle, and end, you don't actually have a complete product. You might have it at the beginning, you might have it in the middle, and then it just sort of tails off and there's nothing at the end. So, you know, to know what needs to be added in, to to get all three of those flavors. So you have a nice linger, you know, it's like, oh, it tastes delicious up front and you're, you know, you're chewing it, it's even better. And then you swallow it and it sort of lingers, right? You know, and so there's a lot of work that goes into that. And it's not just a matter of, you know, adding a little of this or a little of that. You have to, you actually have to think through, hey, listen, you know what do we need? What do we do to build the layers of flavor? What do we do to make sure that it's it's a great experience and it, you know there is that linger? So it's a lot of fun and and it is work too. You know, there's no doubt about that. Mm. And it can be it can be frustrating, especially for vendors. You know, if you're asking for your hundredth version of something, you're like, listen, I, I think we're close. We're <laughs> just not quite there yet.
0: Hey Scott, do you do a lot of development at home? Do you do you in your own kitchen? Go. Oh, I wonder how this kind of works, or do you kind of save all that for work? And I, in COVID, I think. That might have even changed a little bit in the early days, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I worked from home for about a week, and you know, I, I'm just not a good worker from home. Number one, <laughs> and uh, number two, you know, as sort of the as sort of things evolved, and we began to experience shortages in the system. You know, I'd be getting I'd be getting calls or emails or texts from the supply chain uh, team and. Like, hey, listen, will you review this product? It's a substitute product for the system. Well, I start getting 40 and 50 pound cases of things showing up at my house. My wife's like, "You got to get out of here. And this is, <laughs> Go back to what work. Do, what are you doing all of this stuff?" So I went back to work. So, um, yeah, no, look, you 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 stumble across ideas even at home when you're doing something, or you know, so ideas come from everywhere. So, do I do R&D at home? Yeah, and maybe not, you know, maybe not that much, but you know, you're always sort of trolling for yeah, ideas. Right. And, my wife would be the first one to tell you that I've stolen a bunch of ideas from her over the years. You know, what I mean. <laughs>
0: oh, so. well, I, I hear you. My wife too. She's she's really good at uh, finding recipes and things that we try. And I think, oh, that's a good one to remember. And you know, there you go. She does a really good job. And I'll bet your kids must have like when you were working in the healthful side of those. They they probably still enjoyed the food, but I'll bet they really enjoyed it when you started bringing some Sonic home.
2: The the, the favorite line around our house is either. You are, you are basically Willy Wonka or you have every four-year-old's dream job. I mean, those are sort of the two, the two lines that are bantered about at the house, you know. So, uh, yeah, listen, I mean, when I come home with a big old bag of candy from somebody, you know, or something yeah. that we're trying, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're a popular guy.
1: All your, your years of preparing food, and a wide variety, I mean, it really covers a spectrum. Uh, but can you name one of your, your favorite things that you've ever made? and it could be at home or at one of the one of your places of employment
2: that i've ever made or that, that you've I've ever, ever made eaten or okay
1: we, why don't we do both i like both let's do for favorite thing you've ever made and then something that you know favorite thing you've ever eaten
2: yeah so i mean ugh, i i have really fond memories like my grand there's something there's something about a, a grandparent or a parent or somebody that cooks something, you know, you're a kid, right? So you probably have this jaded memory of what it is. <laughs> My grandmother, every time I used to show up at her house, she would make um, a, this fruit tart. Okay, so it's almost like a, a little cakey, shortbready kind of, t- and I have the recipe, right? The cakey, shortbready kind of crust, and it would have different fruit, whatever the fresh fruit was, just baked in. And it was super simple. And as a kid, I loved this apricot. And, you know, it's mm. probably canned apricots. I don't, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any difference, but I have this amazing memory of sort of this buttery crust that you bite into with these kind of savory and creamy apricots that, I mean, you just, that it doesn't matter who makes it. it doesn't matter how many times I've made it. It, can, it simply cannot be duplicated, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's a moment, it's a snapshot in time. It's a moment in time that's gone and you, that yep. you never recapture. So, I mean, you know, you, you, there's, there's different memories like that that are, you know, that are really amazing. And, you know, I mean, could I, could I say that I had this, that I made this amazing meal that I remember? No, I can't. But I mean, you certainly remember, I mean, I remember, I I love a perfectly roasted chicken. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's just, there are, there are some of these moments that are just out there. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's a perfectly roasted chicken with this amazing bottle of wine that, you know, it's just a moment in time that you can't, recapture you know mm-hmm. I mean that it's it's just it's there and it's gone you know I, I mean as far as eating goes man you know I've at the risk of sounding you know like a total jerk I mean you know I in in my especially in my former life, I've I had opportunities to travel all over the world because Canyon Ranch had cruise ships uh, had spas aboard cruise ships and so You know, you you would walk out and and it sounds really glamorous and and it is very glamorous, but you know, a lot of times it's just you're doing the art and we didn't really have a restaurant on a cruise ship, but on a cruise ship, but we had the healthy menu item on the main menu of the main dining room and across several different brands of cruise ships. Um, so, you know, you'd show up in the morning and early in the morning and do, you know, do R&D work. You work through breakfast and then work through lunch. You have a few hours in the afternoon. You go back into the galley and you work dinner. And then, you know, sometimes you'd go out a little bit after that. But, you know, I, I only half kiddingly say I've been to a lot of different countries and cities in the world, but I've never seen more than 100 feet in, you know, because <laughs> you're, sort of, you're sort of beholden to whatever restaurants are nearby. But, you know, I mean, whether they're touristy restaurants or not, I can think of this amazing pizza I had in Italy. I can think of amazing, an amazing arugula salad I had in Italy. You know, I, I think of when I traveled to Turkey, Kenya Ranch had a property in Turkey, the produce, the produce in Turkey, you know. I mean, if if you sort of look, if you look at the latitude of where Turkey sits, it actually sits on the same latitude as a lot of amazing Mediterranean countries do. And you have a lot of those incredible produce, you know, the the tomatoes and the eggplants and you know, I mean and the fish okay so i will tell you this i can think of probably i can probably think of the greatest one of the greatest meals i've ever had and it's it's such a simple thing we were i was in turkey with a group and um it was near bodrum and we're staying in this little town and you know we we we'd go over to the to the site via a ferry in the morning and we come back to our hotel at night and then you'd, you'd walk sort of along the water and it's it's along the aegean and so we're walking as a group along, and we come across this restaurant, and they've got a, they've got this old, I guess what I would call a deli case out in front of this restaurant. It's got fish in it, and I walk up and I did a double take. I'm like, oh my gosh, is that a monkfish? And you know, whatever they call it there, I don't remember. So we order, you know, we order the monkfish, and we go out, and the restaurant seating area is actually out over the water. So we're sitting there, and we ordered other appetizers and things. And we had a great meal, and you know, a half hour later or whatever it is, this giant, um, almost like a paella pan comes Mm -hmm. out and it's got tomatoes and mushrooms and peppers, got all these other things in and these massive white chunks of monkfish. And everybody says, oh, monkfish tastes just like lobster. I mean, I I guess I could get there, right? You know I mean? All right. Yeah, I believe you. Monkfish tastes like lobster. But in this case, we actually ate it and the monkfish was just like lobster it was sweet (laughs) it was chewy it was absolutely phenomenal and i you know i think it was all of 40 or 50 dollars or something for a group of 10 of us you know and it was it was memorable i mean truly Mm. truly amazing and that That kind of stuff is so simple
0: that moment in time food is
1: emotion oh that's that's great But, but i think before we we let you you go today i personally would like to know about a story that you both remember from your time working together—that you know may have been out of the norm, something that's particularly memorable, uh, something that you can both oh my laugh gosh, about one now. That would,
2: Rich, that would be one that would involve probably some of the um, the guests that we've had over the years. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a few. the We used to the, get celebrities and all too. You know, you had to cook especially for them. I mean, um,
1: uh, who? I, who, who what, what kind of celebrities? Is that?
0: Who, who do you remember coming through? Axel Rose would be in there sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, That's yeah. right. That's Georgia right. Frontier. She was yeah, she, well, she was, was uh, a
2: local. She was a local. She was a that's local, right. but
0: uh, she owned the LA Rams at that time, or St. Louis Rams, I think it was at yeah, that time. That's right. That's right. Uh, who were some of the others? Lloyd, well,
2: Lloyd were, Bridges and his wife were really a lovely couple and um, sort of sitting, stand. I don't know if you were there for that one or not, Rich, but they were there. And sort of standing out there and chatting with them. I have a beautiful handwritten note from Lloyd Bridges, wife. You know, I mean, oh. there's, your listeners don't know who Lloyd Bridges is either. But you know, <laughs> thank, I mean, there are some there are some fun ones there too. Well, I remember one, and Scott, you'll
0: I think remember this, but this was one of those things where I was given a task by our, I guess he was the general manager of the hotel at that time, Ed, mm-hmm. uh, fifteen pizzas to his baseball game. Remember that? And oh, yeah. the, they didn't (laughs) they they didn't arrive all at the same time and he was he was really upset in a meeting he he got kind of loud and he said what do i need to do to get 15 pizzas delivered to my softball game and i said just ask me and he's asked and i said okay so his softball game came around and i'm like scott (laughs) they're not getting the pizzas ready and i'm stressing because i just told this man that we're going to get them for him all he had to do was ask me and i'll get it and it was just oh, one of those days, right? And and this boss that we're t- I'm talking about here, I don't know, Scott, how you feel, but I, I think a lot of things that at the time you might have thought, yeah, you know, but later you look back and some of the things he taught me to this day you know eye for detail he was famous for it and uh, oh, yeah. he could call you out and see things and
2: my burned out light bulb obsession was definitely uh, <laughs> i said that earlier <laughs> exactly, you did, said you really. that.
0: <laughs> burned out light bulbs right exactly but you know what you you, you pay attention to stuff now i'll so. tell you
2: i called him after i left los abrigados probably was a year or so and i said listen i i have to tell you and i i, I still talk to ed I, I mean actually probably a couple times a year I mean he was probably one of the hardest people i've ever worked for and i've probably never learned more from somebody than him and right. i think that you can probably ref- many people can reflect on their career of that experience right you know i mean yes. the toughest people you work for the people that you that make you uh, a better professional and a better person
0: right so and and on and on that note uh before we let you go we always ask our guests for a quote something that through their career as you're saying there or at some point in your life, you've heard something that inspires you, drives you, gives you direction or just something that makes you stop and think once in a while. But a quote from someone or something. Do you have anything
2: like that that you could share with our guests? So so I had a hard time whittling it down from three because I have three that I use regularly again and again and again. And to me, a quote is not just something that you sort of put out to the world. It's also that you, you know, look to yourself. Right. You know, so a quote something that inspires you is something that that y- yes y- you may put out but you also y- you also internalize. So the one that I landed on is actually a quote from Renaissance Man, all right? The, the movie Renaissance mm-hmm. Man, it's, it's a Danny DeVito quote. <laughs> and it's the choices we make determine the life that we lead. And you know, we we're, we're we're in a position where we, we make choices and decisions every single day. Some are major, some are not major. Some are minor small. But every time we make a decision or a choice, it, it, it impacts our life and what our life will become, you know? um, especially when you're in really, really tough circumstances. We're all in tough times you know, now, many of us personally and others professionally. And we're constantly making decisions and we're making decisions on how we're going to conduct ourselves and what our future Mm -hmm. is. And um, to me, it's always uh, a good thing to remember that the choices that I'm making, the choices that we make will determine what our future outcome is.
0: Very good. I I couldn't Mm -hmm. agree more. All those, as you said, some of those minor ones that uh, we have a choice how we can treat people, how we can react to a situation. And you don't know what that other option that might have been, right? So, yep.
2: What's the domino very, effect to that decision? Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Well, any of uh, our guests, I think, would be also wanting to know, uh, before we leave you here, if um, there's anything you can tell us that's on the horizon for Sonic, any LTOs that we can look forward to in the future?
2: Oh, yeah. We got some fun ones coming up. A uh, queso burger. So... Um, this one was actually out for a little while and then covid sort of came along so this is coming coming back out again and um, this is great because it's got the hatch greens here, the real hatch green chilies real hatch all with right. cheese sauce and melted cheese so this is this is definitely not a you know not your not on the light diner's menu but it is absolutely delicious and the fact that the real uh, hatch you know the hatch green chilies are on there makes it really ups uh, ups mm-hmm. the game Uh, espresso shake we got that coming up soon too that's a fun one to do you can have it either you know uh, au natural with a double shot of espresso or Oreos added in and then we've got another classic coming back the Frito Chili Cheese Junior wrap for uh, 99 cents for limited time starting at the end of November so we do have some fun ones coming up and then believe me we've got other cool stuff coming up in the beginning of the year and so uh, yeah there's always there's always something interesting around the corner
1: well, now oh, we just need to open up a store, yeah, another store in Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> I think we so. have two. We only have two, and we need yeah, one no, it's a to new Sheboygan. market for us. It's a new market. Yeah, great. Hey, Scott, uh, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. I, I know you're you're a busy guy. Your schedule is full, but uh, this was fun, and I, I know our listeners really appreciate some of the insight into the chain operations and just the things that you go through. And you know, they they know what chains are and, and QSRs, but uh, great insight from you and some of that they can hopefully use in their operations if any of those uh, people that are listening have restaurants. And um, just really appreciate the the time today. And it's been educational for myself and and just really wish you the best of success going forward in your career and with everything at Sonic. So thanks yeah, again thank, for taking the time.
2: Thank Rich, and, uh, and Justin as well. And uh, we appreciate your partnership always. And uh, it, it is it is a lot of fun. It's great to see you guys virtually. And hopefully we can see each other again in person here pretty soon.
0: Next time yeah. you're in Sheboygan, right?
2: That's right. All, right. All right, we'll look forward
0: to it. Thanks again, Scott. All right, thank you, you guys. Take care. Wow, that was that was fun talking to Scott. <laughs> it's been a while since yeah. since I've chatted with him, but uh, that's that's Scott. You know, it, it was good to see, and and I was reminded again of you know he was a very creative guy when he mm-hmm. was when I worked with him, and a lot of those things we did on that menu and stuff. And it's cool that he's still doing that uh, now. He still is able to be creative. At first I think when I heard Sonic, I was thinking, Oh, it was gonna be this kind of a narrow lane, but he does he's still able to do that with even a limited amount of stuff he's got.
1: Right, right. Well, it I initially thought too that it was it was pretty far removed from where he was, but but after after talking with him and and what he's doing, it's it's a lot closer to what he's done in the past than than I previously had anticipated. Right. And and to to discover that his you know, nothing is off the table ingredient wise. They're allowed to be as creative mm-hmm. uh as they as they would like. It's just there's a lot more challenge and in artistry into determining how that works into a thirty-six
0: hundred store operation. Right. You know, he's always been very good at uh getting other people and his staff to contribute. I, I remember when we worked together again that um he would always get his chefs from the different restaurants to come together and he'd give them some rope and he'd say, Here's what you want to do and you know, the, he, he allowed everyone to contribute to the, to the process, and he's he's still doing that to this day. It's kind of funny to see him through all these different concepts, and it's it's just the way he is, you know. I also was impressed, I think, with, um, you know, the, the food. As you think of some QSRs, you don't always think of it as just the real. Like, it's food. It's real food. It's not just, yeah. we'll use the term, okay, fast food. It's not. I mean, the real ice cream, the the, the chilies on the burgers, the things mm-hmm. that, that he's talked about in including in on a restaurant and the menu, uh, it's it's real. It's good well, quality, right?
1: I think a lot of us have just become conditioned over the years with some other fast food chains to expect, oh, well, that's not real. That's not real meat or, you know, how, how many preservatives, how many different things go into this thing to to make it last. And, and just because it is a quick-serve restaurant doesn't mean it doesn't have to be real food. Yeah. So that's that's refreshing to see, and it's, it's really one of the cornerstones of their their operation why they are successful you
0: know what else is refreshing he's still having fun he's still yeah. having fun doing what he's you doing gotta have fun you know? and that's
1: that's just uh, that's evident uh, through through talking with him that he's allowed himself to have fun and, and to be creative and and no matter where he's at uh that is something that you got to go home with every day it's like am i am i enjoying what i'm doing because otherwise what's the point
0: I'll, I'll bet his team has fun every day. I, I'm sure he's he's got his moments. Like you know, we talked about oh, yeah. hey, and <laughs> But that's Scott's. A, he's a good guy, and I'm sure they all have a good time together. So that's cool. I'm, I'm I really enjoyed today's today's show, and it uh, was it was great seeing him and reminiscing a little bit. So good day, Absolutely. good day, yeah. great day. <laughs> and
1: all now right. I need to go. I need to go and try and convince him to bring back those sweet potato
0: <laughs> the sweet tots. potato tot
1: he did not seem uh, too thrilled with them but
0: uh, <laughs> all right justin so before we sign off any closing thoughts from you today
1: definitely i would like to remind everybody to please hit that subscribe button never miss another moment with a food service industry professional or chef again and while you're at it if you could also give us a review let us know what you like about our show what we could improve on or maybe some other topic that you would like us to speak on
0: all right perfect thank you and as i always say everyone listening please please uh if you have any thoughts or comments about a topic that we've covered or have ideas for a show we would love to hear from you please reach out to us and let us know at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed and as i end every show don't worry about the other guy and what they're doing just focus on what you do best and no one's going to beat you thanks for listening everyone I hope you have a great rest of your week. So until next time, take care.